0: On 89.9 The Light, you're in conversation with Clayton, and it is just an absolute privilege to have a chat to the author of this new book, Parenting Ahead, preparing now for the teen years. Uh, She's got a lot of experience and uh, has a real heart for this topic. Kristen Hatton joins me from the States. G'day, Kristen.
1: Hi there, Clayton. What a privilege to be talking to you all the way over in Australia from Texas.
0: Oh, I love that. It is uh, great to have a chat. And I believe, actually, you're telling me this is your first Australian interview, so that's pretty cool too. Yes, I
1: love it. It
0: is. Now, you've got a a huge passion for, as we said, talking about uh, teens and preparing uh, families, really. It's not just preparing teens or just preparing parents. It's sort of this idea of, As families, how do we get ready for the teen years? Before we actually talk about why you write the book and all of the the things that come with that, uh, maybe tell us a little bit about your family.
1: Yes, of course. So um, I am married. I've been married for 27 years. My husband is a pastor, and we have three young adult children. My daughter is married, and I have two sons who are in their early 20s, and they're in college. Um, and I, in addition to being an author, I'm also a counselor, and I work with teenagers and families in the counseling room, and my husband is a family pastor, so this is definitely our passion.
0: Yeah, there you go. Family, families everywhere. Um, and I would imagine if they're offered in college now that that's sort of, you know, you're, you're in the empty nester style part of, of life as well. How is that going for you?
1: Yes. You know what? I It's really enjoyable. And I was nervous about it because I, of course, love having teenagers around. Um, But we happened to move to a different state uh, right after our youngest left home. and I think that helped the adjustment because we're just in a new place with new experiences, new distractions. And now my kids are home for summer, and I've actually found that I'm having a little bit of a hard time readjusting to cooking and buying so much at the grocery store and having their things everywhere again. Uh, so it I told me that I settled real quickly into empty nestorhood.
0: Yes, I love that. Um, so, the, this passion for families uh, for you and in counseling and your, your husband as well. We're, where does that come from? Because, you know, a lot of people have families, but um, their focus isn't necessarily to say, right, I'm going to sort of dig into this so I can help others. I'm just going to survive through being a part of the family. And I think, you know, for many, that's a a fair enough aim as well. So why the passion for it? Do you know, was there a moment or was it just something that built for you? Can you put it down to something specifically?
1: Yeah, it's really a combination of quite a few things. One, when my children, my first two children, my oldest was three and my second was a baby, and my husband was leading a group of parents of teens through Paul Tripp's book, Age of Opportunity, which is for parenting teens. And I was just sitting in, but I was struck by the thought of parenting and parenting teens specifically as an opportunity and not something to fear. And so right from, you know, the time that my kids were so young, I bought into this idea of an opportunity mindset. And so then fast forward a lot of years. And by this time, my daughter is in college. I have a son in high school and a son in middle school. And I wrote a blog series called Before the Teen Years. And I have gotten so many responses to that. This was back in um, 2017. So. A while back, but I had not received as many comments on a blog post or series as I did with this one, and it was parents expressing their fear about the teen years. Um, and I was also seeing, because I was already in the world of teens, parents that were in that stage already were just kind of throwing their hands up is just abdicating the responsibility, not knowing to, what to do with teenagers. And I was already writing. I was already speaking. I was already hearing from lots of parents, knowing the struggles, also knowing struggles that my a couple of my children had had too and I feel like a lot of times we think we're the only one we look around and we think everybody else has it all together but I was seeing such a different story and so that led me to go back and get my master's in counseling specifically to work with families because it just feels so overwhelming and um, I wanted really to be on the proactive side of hopefully trying to prevent um so many teenagers may be ending up in the counseling room or years of disconnect, relational discord between parents and kids um, by doing exactly what this book is advocating for, laying foundations, uh, helping parents feel encouraged and equipped though what they do in the early years matters and is laying a foundation for the years to come.
0: Yeah. Now, we want to talk about that a bit more. Um, now, obviously, we're not going to be able to go through the whole book uh, in our interview, but we do want to touch on some of those and give some ideas and some ways of thinking as we go through. Uh, just briefly before we get to that, uh, you, you did sort of, I suppose, imply what often is said about teenagers, right? Like a, any parent, as they go through, will have a comment probably at some stage, maybe a hundred times, Uh, where someone will say, oh, enjoy them at this age, whether they're six or seven or eight or whatever, or ten, or when you start getting to the teen years, because their teenage years are coming. And as much as you you talk about not having to fear them, we actually almost create this culture of fear amongst parents um, because we do know the teen years can be tough. Now, potentially, perhaps, maybe mostly tough because it feels like there's disconnect that happens between teens and parents. Um, Do you think this sort of almost um, culture of, Parent on to parent fear is actually where this has come from, or is it? Um, you know, sort of reasonably founded that hey, the teen years are going to be difficult and hard, and so we we've, we've got to have different mindsets before we even get to them.
1: Yeah, probably a combination of both. I'm sure we do feed. We hear stories, and so then it makes us more and more anxious, and then we feed off you know talking to other parents, and so our fears just escalate. And, I mean, quite honestly, there's a lot to fear in our world today. I get that. Um, I mean, I think that as parents, we worry that our, you know, about the choices our kids are going to make and the influence of their environment and who their friends are going to be. And um, we worry that they would be left out or not perform well. And, and so we can just work ourselves up with kind of this what-if narrative and uh, make ourselves crazy. So if this factors into, we, we hear a lot today, research about how anxious teens and young adults are, but I I think parents are no different um, with our fears just taking us away. And so then we're trying to over control. um, That's where helicopter parenting comes in, um, trying to manage our fears.
0: Yeah. You know, I don't think, um, and, and I, I try and be a pretty good communicator around uh, families. My wife and I try pretty hard about it. I do a lot of interviews about families, um, and so I, I try and glean all this information I can as I, I parent, you know, three kids, two of which are teens now as well. But I don't know if I've ever heard anyone um, frame it the way you framed it, Kristen, when you said, um, sort of took the opportunity, looked at the teen years as an opportunity. Could you talk about what you mean by mm-hmm. even your mindset of saying it's an opportunity?
1: Sure. So we are going to run into difficult things. So I, I don't believe there's any parenting formula. Um, I, there are foundational things that we can lay in place. But when I when I think about an opportunity, I mean, even the things that are hard or even our children's disobedient. Um, or their trials or their sad emotions can be opportunities to speak into. And it's an opportunity to, to, to forge a relationship and a connection. So often what I see is, is parents don't go first in saying, I'm sorry. And if we want our children to own up to their sin or their bad behavior or their wrongdoing, we have to go first. And so opportunity mindset is entering into those hard conversations, having heart conversations, helping them understand what's going on in their their heart and their head. So moving towards them, um, discipling and disciplining them, through, shepherding their, their heart really um, is what I would think of is, is the opportunity. So, you know, I think we have our kids don't make a team or they run for a council election and they don't win or a friend doesn't sit with them at lunch. I mean, there's, there's so many things that happen and we have an opportunity to speak hope to them and to help them um, really know that their true identity and to reframe the situation and um, just enter in with them, connecting with them so that they don't feel so alone and they feel heard and seen.
0: I love that, and I think it's this opportunity as a, a parent that it can start with something simple, which is our mindset change, uh, and then we can get to some more of those practical aspects, um, which I hope, Kristen, that you know, as much as I'm sure that this book, you, know, you want everybody to go and pick up the book, can you give us a few of those tips if we come back in a couple of moments, at least to start us off? Is that all right with some of those practicals? Yes, of course. I'm very glad because the interview would have been a real train wreck if you'd said no. Uh so I'm very glad about that. <laughs> Cri- Kristen Hatton is my guest. She's the author of Parenting Ahead, Preparing Now for the Teen Years. Uh and we are going to talk about a couple of those things that we can start thinking about putting in place as we do that. A bit more of the practical. On the way next here on eighty-nine point nine the light. Eighty-nine point nine the light. You're in conversation with Clayton, the author of the book, Parenting Ahead, Preparing Now for the Teen Years. Kristen Hatton is my guest, having a chat to her over in Texas in the States. Now, Kristen, we've talked a bit about the mindset. We've talked about the idea of um, not fearing out the teen years. We have talked even about that concept, as you talked about, of of parents taking the lead in things, uh, saying sorry first, those sorts of ideas. Um, Are there some real practical things of of how do we do start laying groundwork as ahead of those teen years to make sure that they are the, the best that they can be?
1: Sure. So I think um, creating categories is something I talk about in my book. Um, I believe what Deuteronomy 6 in the Bible talks about is that teaching. Well, we talk to our kids as as we're going, as we're doing our normally daily things, um, and I believe that teaching precedes understanding. So when I'm thinking about laying the groundwork, a lot of times people will say, well. I can't say that to my three-year-old. They're not going to understand that. But if we get to help shape their idea about the world and about Jesus and about their heart, then we can begin teaching even before they understand it. And like Deuteronomy 6, one day, then they will ask. So as we build these things in, then they ideally, hopefully, are going to come to us with more questions and we will help shape their view on it. So I think it's so important. If we are going to raise children who know the love of Jesus, then we they need to know their need for Jesus. And so in our household, we talk about sin as idolatry. So an idol can be anything that rules our heart. So it could be um my like what other people think of me could be the ruling idol. And so I might say or do things because I care about the opinion of others. Um, Anything and everything can be an idol. My children can be an idol. I can find my identity and worth in my children's performance, which I see happen with parents all the time. Um, So if I start shepherding my children's hearts to see sin as an idol, it's a category for understanding sin because sin is not just bad external behavior, and when we focus so much on just trying to correct the behavior that doesn't necessarily do anything to change our children's hearts they can play the game and they can even you know outwardly obey but they may be far from us and far from the lord and so the aim is the heart more than it is just having them conform to a certain behavior So I want my children, or I wanted my children to understand that that sin is deeper. It's our, it's inward, it's our desires, it's our motivations. And so again, that category of helping them understand was a foundation that I laid. Um, Another foundation is giving them, um, helping them or setting boundaries so that they, if I tell them no when they're, Three, for instance, here, I'll just give you an example. If we're at the park and my child wants another snack and it's close to dinner time and I say no, but they keep badgering me and I give in, well, that seems pretty benign, like it's not a big deal. But if they learn from an early age that, oh, I know how to to break mom down, I'm just going to, you know, badger at her and keep asking until she gives in and she will then by the time they're teenagers, it can be much more significant issues that we're talking about. And so we do ourselves a favor and our children when we set those boundaries and they learn that our word is is our word when they're young, because if they have it, then we're just bringing on more difficulty
0: when they're older. I love that, that it's the simple moments, um, but it does require a bit of thought to say, all right, well, I'm, this is why I'm doing it. And I think it helps too in those moments, right? It helps push through the times when uh, you are being a bit badgered to go, actually, I, I'm helping set up great principles here. Um, I think often in workplaces, you know, we, we do talk about things like the the – the standards you walk past are the standards that you're actually allowing and setting. Uh, But it's sort of so true in in the family home, isn't it, it as well?
1: Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, It's really – this book is helping, I hope, parents to really be intentional to think forward. So just the title itself, Parenting Ahead, I'm painting a forward picture to help parents see how things play out, like what you do or don't do in the early years, like, This is what it's going to look like potentially, you know, all these years ahead. And so it helps us maybe to be steadfast and to keep going when we feel so beaten down. I know parenting littles can just be exhausting physically. And, and it, sometimes it feels like this is so mundane and are they even listening and does this even matter? And I'm saying yes, it matters. Mm. Um, we don't see it necessarily in the short term, but in the long run, it really matters. Yeah.
0: This is a conversation my wife and I were just having only last night about uh, a a fellow mum that my wife was chatting to uh, the day before and and just encouraging them, hey look in the midst of this you've got a couple of kids under three and and, oh my goodness it feels like the world's just falling apart and I'm not interacting with anyone else but you are shaping the world with these kids and uh, keep going with it and I think it's a good reminder for parents generally right that when they are those tough moments, um, you are you are helping shape the rest of this world through those children. You've got such a, an incredible responsibility, yeah. but also uh, a joy in that as well. Um, if we sort of yeah. go to the other end, um, Kristen, as well, I, I know that the book and the purpose of the book is very much for before we get to the teen years, hey, here's some things we can do. Um, do you have any advice and wisdom of people who perhaps maybe are getting to their teen years right now and they've gone, you know what? actually, I didn't take up all these awesome things that you've put in this book. Um, what's the best moments I can do now? What are some of the things I can do now if I haven't perhaps done some of these? Are there is it the same principles and we just start them wherever we, we are and we just start them there?
1: Yes, absolutely. I always say that we're never um, beyond hope of change, And if we recognize things it, wherever we are in the parenting game, I've even had parents who have Or in my stage, in Funester's stage, and they are reading the book and they're like, gosh, there's things I want to go back and tell my, my young adult children, I'm sorry, or I wish I would have done this differently. I think that can be real redemptive in our conversations with each other when a parent can go to a child and say, you know, I was distracted and I wish that, you know, I had paid more attention to when you were talking to me. Um, So I, I encourage parents to start there just to be vulnerable and honest if they see something that they wish they'd done differently or that they feel badly about now I know that we're so busy as families and parents a lot of times we're multitasking and we are not completely connecting with our kids when we're with them because we're doing you know a million other things at the same time Mm. and so just some simple very practical things that parents can start no matter where they are is 10 minutes a day of connecting I mean put the cell phone away get off your laptop if you're cooking dinner Mm. you know maybe say okay after dinner I'm going to have this time but really really like pay attention and when we're we're talking to our children entering in with them so that we are noticing things we are um, paying attention to their body language. I know there's been times that I've missed that a child of mine has felt really sad because I just wasn't really looking for the, the unsaid things. So we have to be curious and we have to have active listening. Um, our kids just want to be seen and heard and valued. And we do that just by, by showing an interest in them, entering in with them and not trying to fix them. That's something I've learned is that my tendency when a child has, you know, had something difficult is to go into control mode and try to fix it. But that's not what they need. They just need us to enter in and sit with them in it.
0: I I, I love that. I I know times I've actually, um, if I've been on the phone or texting, I know they're talking and I've gone, right, I've actually tried to stop myself and say, either put the phone down in those moments or explain to them hey, um, I just have to text this person because, I, because of yada, 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 and then I'm all yours. Um, and just so that I'm actually, mm-hmm. I'm including them in on that process. I'm not trying to say that the phone is more important than you. I'm not trying to say any of these things. There's, there's a reason I'm doing this, and then we'll put this aside. And I think, um, you know, I, I'm learning that more and more. Um, but I, I think the ability, when I've taken that exact mindset you are talking about, Kristen, has been to say, well, actually, um, be thinking at it. I suppose, from their point of view, um, not just from my point of view, even though in that moment, um, you know, it's always easier to do just that. I think there's also an aspect of it too that um, home should be, and it's not for everybody, but home is a safe place and it should be a place where we can sort of let it all out. Um, And that goes for parents and kids too, right, that we both sort of walk into the house and and we sort of let down some of the shackles and let down some of it. But at times we need to still be thinking about the other, not just letting it all out for ourselves. And I, I really love that encouragement. It's great. I wanted to ask you something about um, as we we finish up, because I really enjoyed this. And I think this is a a moment of um, great learning that you experienced. Could you talk to us about the silly club and the serious club that you had in your house Um, Mm -hmm. and, and the learning, I I think, especially that you had through that. I, I was really fascinated about that.
1: Yes. So when my children were young, We had what's called the silly club and the serious club, but I was the only member of the serious club. And so my husband and my three children, they were all silly and they were having fun, but I was so just stuck in like getting everything done, taking care of the task and getting on everybody about, did you do this or that? And so I was missing out on the silliness and the fun and I, and they didn't want to necessarily be around me. And as grace began to transform my heart, as I began to rest more in my identity in Jesus and know that I was seen by God as perfect, holy, and righteous because of Jesus' righteous robe covering me, grace just took hold of me in a way that affected me in the daily moments of life where I became more free. And I was able to let go of things that used to matter. And all of a sudden, I could be sillier. And so it became such that I, my kids were just kind of shocked. They're like, oh my gosh, mom, that was funny. And it surprised them. And and that was fun. And so I really realized I had been missing out because I was just kind of like Martha doing all the work over on the side while they were They were doing things together and enjoying one another. And so then it became, I was getting so silly that um, my youngest son, who was kind of the president of the Silly Club, I was like, I'm giving you a run for your money. I'm, I'm actually maybe the president of the Silly Club now. So, we just laugh about that and um and and they say that i yeah, I just got more fun over the years as their mom, but I really think it was just a freedom that I found in the gospel of, of knowing Jesus delights in me
0: I think that's so important, and you know we've talked about uh, a couple of different times here around that the impact and the idea of uh, what it means to have Jesus in your world, and we understand that not everybody um who is listening has that relationship, but certainly that's been a huge part of your journey. And uh, helps a whole lot as we, we work through various aspects to have you know Jesus helping us in that way as well. I do love the fact that you, you realized and uh, and were able to work through part of that. I think as parents, you know, we we, we I said to my kids the other day, um, they were saying something about what I did when they were seven years old, um, and I said, yeah, yeah, that wasn't great. Except I was only a seven-year-old parent then too. Um, I, I, I'm learning. I, I'm actually learning too. Now now I'm a 14-year-old parent and I can see things a bit different. I've got twice the amount of experience and uh, and we're having those conversations and, and I can loosen up and they can loosen up and, and if we have those conversations, then uh, that can be improved as well. So I really appreciate that encouragement for so many. Kristen, we just uh, want to wish you all the best with this book, Parenting Ahead. Preparing Now for the Teen Years. Uh, Thank you so much for taking the time, uh, A, to write this book, and then B, to uh, talk to us today as well. We really appreciate it. Well,
1: gosh, Clayton, thank you so much. It was so fun visiting with you.
0: The author of the book, Parenting Ahead, Preparing Now for the Teen Years, Kristen Hatton, my guest here on 89.9 The Light.